Well, hello there, and welcome to Further Every Day, the podcast where we explore current events through the lens of the Christian worldview. But here's the catch. Each one of us today is sitting in a chair, and from that chair, we will be discussing the issue of today from that um, that stream or that uh, focus of the Christian apologetic. To my right this morning, in the chair of theology, I have Miss Nikki. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. Glad to have you on. Glad to be here. So it's going to be a fun topic today, dealing with um, the theological side of this. It's it's going to be a tough nut to crack, but uh, yours truly, sitting in the chair of philosophy, it's going to be important to know what the enemy of our souls is doing, what what the ultimate objective and intent is here, and their purpose for trying to destroy and devalue the human being the image bearer of God. And to my left, I have Mr. Charlie. Good morning. How are you doing, sir? We are doing great. We are going to uh, take a look at the cultural lens, the cultural perspective of this particular topic. And I agree, this one is, um, this is a tough one, but we have never shied away from the tough topics. So, Absolutely. So, culturally, what we're seeing is, is a breakdown and a degradation of the concept of the human being being innately valuable as an image bearer. Mm-hmm. And that that right there has led to some very interesting ramifications, although none of them good. And to his left, we have Mr. Steve. Yes, sir. I'm sitting in the chair of politics today, and it sounds like it's going to, like you mentioned, it's going to be a tough nut, and it's probably going to be a hickory nut. From what I understand. <laughs> yes, sir. So, and the, the chair of politics is going to be an interesting one today because I think, uh, uh, I think we're going to have an interesting quandary coming up in the future where persecution will start to come as it has in Australia mm. and other countries because you cannot quote-unquote, and be involved in so-called conversion therapy. I'm not talking about shock therapy. I'm talking about praying for people in the LGBT community, Which, and we're about to get to the statistics in a little while, but the other kin, the furry communities are actually, there's an 80-something percent overlap with the LGBT community. Correct. So what we're seeing is, is a twist towards the devaluing of humans, a nihilistic approach to the physical world, and there are about to be political and legal consequences and ramification for, ramifications for the Christian in the in the short term or the midterm. I think certainly yes. the long. So, first off, let's go ahead and discuss what exactly is an otherkin or a furry. It's really important to be able to define the terms. Mm. And Mr. Pomeroy, I don't know if you have the definition from Oxford for otherkin in front of you, if you have the show map yeah, pulled up. Yeah, hang on just a moment. I I'll give you, right. There I'll, we go. I'll give you the Oxford, and if you can get the Wikipedia for yeah. otherkin. Yep. So this is from Oxford. A person who identifies as, quote-unquote, non-human, typically as being wholly or partially an animal or a mythical being. That's, that's really wild. So and and I don't I'm not trying to be funny here. That is that is so counter to six thousand years of human history. So the definition from Wikipedia, other kin are a subculture of people who identify as not entirely human. Some other kin believe their identity derives from reincarnation, trans species dysphoria the soul, ancestry, or metaphor. Others attribute it to unusual psychology and do not hold spiritual beliefs on the subject. And I think, John Arthur, one of the things that we probably ought to do, um, probably should have done this right at the very beginning, but parents, this is a really, it's an out there topic, and you think that it's not something that you need to worry about. You, sh- you should understand this. And be prepared to talk about this with your 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 children, but this might not be the episode for them. 
Well, and we're, we're, we're going to try to stick with the mostly safe stuff. But yes. a, 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 as it sits, you actually have a multi-layered approach. So I, I'm, I'm going to start to use some words. So, okay, close your kids' ears. Pornography is a gateway drug for this trans-species dysmorphia. And it, that's, that's really what hooks, but it's more than that. It's to, to, to riddle it down to just sex is actually a disservice to the conversation because it, it goes deeper. And it, 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 it's the, there, there are some issues with this, but before we go too much further, I want to delineate the difference between an otherkin and a furry. So, Mr. Johnson, do you have the definition from Oxford on a furry? Furry, from Oxford. An enthusiast for animal characters with human characteristics. In particular, a person who dresses up in costume as such a character or uses one as an avatar online. So, now, now just to kind of add to that a little bit, uh, you see... All of these events that go on uh, that people go to where they dress up as their different avatars, They're diff- they go to these different events where they dress up as their favorite DC person or MC person or whoever their avatar or whatever animal they may like in life or whoever whatever they feel like they want to be or however they feel like they want to be at the time or, or however they relate at the time. And you have all of these events that go on across the country that these people go to. And this kind of help feeds this, this type of thing that goes on. And it, it, it's not inherently, again, I, I want to say it's not inherently sexual. There's, there's a lot of stuff that is happening. It's really easy to write these guys off as sexual deviants and not look further. But you, and, and a lot of times that is absolutely true. However, furries is, it, I, I want to be very specific. And I think the, the definition from Wikipedia does a good job. Um, yeah. Mr. Charlie, yeah, that for me. The furry fandom is a subculture interested in anthropomorphic animal characters with human personalities and characteristics. Examples of anthropomorphic attributes include exhibiting human intelligence and facial expressions, speaking, walking on two legs, and wearing clothes. So you've you've seen this in just about every single uh, kid show. Think think Robin Hood from the nineteen sixties, Disney's Robin Hood, where they were anthropomorphic animals. You want to talk about people who've actually. Um, out and discuss what made them a furry they fell in love with characters from the movies that they watched as children so i i want to throw this to miss nikki because she's been very very silent so far when we set up role models and when we set up people who are when we tell stories to children as a mother you 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 would know this fairly well do children internalize that, and can that easily warp? I think in a, in a normal situation, because you know, I was uh, raised and, and listened to uh, Disney shows, and and uh, none of that affected me in any negative way. I don't believe any of that affected our children in any negative way. I think it has to do a lot with um, the foundation you have in your home. And I'm just going to say Amen. that there's a there is a, a really good side to imagination, and you want children to use their imagination. And sometimes I think video games robs them of the old fashioned type of imagination of uh, that they they need. So there's a healthy side to imagination. There is a balance, and in a society that we've are living in today, especially in the home, I don't think parents our understanding how to keep a balance. So I would absolutely agree that there is an issue of balance. And I want to be really careful because whether it's video games or whether it's TV or whether it's Comic-Con where you dress up like a Marvel character or 
an animal, these things are not inherently bad. In and of themselves. But an obsession and a devotion to this that supersedes and replaces a relationship with God and a relationship with family. That, that, is, that is not the problem, by the way. Going to conventions, dressing up like an animal, even identifying as another creature. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a limb here. I'm going to say identifying as an elf, identifying as a bear or a dog. That's not really the problem. It, it, it is a problem, but it's not the problem. The problem lies deeper, and I want to dig deeper. But before we do, I want to go to a study that has a, has a real issue. And, and we're starting to talk about, when we talk about other kin, you guys have heard of Dragon Lady. You guys have heard of some of these other people who have done extreme body modifications. They've cut off their ears. They've changed their noses, or they've uh, made their ears elf ears. They've taken the cartilage, cut it off, and re- reworked it. This was a really weird rabbit hole to go down, by the way. Yes. Really weird rabbit hole to go down. But unfortunately, this is a real subculture that's growing. And there's a real consequence that comes not from the subculture, but from the problem that are down underneath. Stop looking at the symptoms. Let's look at the core and stop laughing at the symptoms. Someone who's having a seizure is easy to laugh at, right? Mm. <laughs> but it's no a- laughing matter. Am I right, Mr. Yeah. Johnson? Uh, yeah, I, I, I can, yeah. Steve can relate to that. Yeah. Right? It's not, it's not a laughing matter. There is something wrong, and you need to actually treat mm. it with the seriousness that's there. You can laugh at a seizure patient, but I would say that that's inhumane. I would say, so, and, and, and let's talk about the actual underlying issues. This is from a uh, semanticscholar.org paper, Risk and Protective Factors for, quote-unquote, Sadness, in uh, uh, in the uh, other kin community. So I'm going to pull this up real quick. There are some graphs here, links in the description, but you're seeing a approximately 40% suicidality in people who are in the furry community. Okay. that And by the way, the furry community is a Venn diagram that's much larger than the quote-unquote other kin. But you also see a nearly 80, 80 to 85% overlap with the LGBT community in the furry and other kin. And so that's why this is the last episode in our three-part on body dysmorphia. Because the first episode was anorexia, reverse anorexia, the desire to gain muscles, gain weight, and then of course, uh, fat acceptance. Last episode was about transgenderism and not being able to identify with the family dynamic, the God-given, God-ordained family dynamic. This is where we have people, and it's a growing group of people. We have to get on top of this as a church. These are people who cannot identify with being human. And so I want to throw this to the chair of theology. I'm going to work this around the room because we've kind of set this out. There's a 40% suicidality ideation here. There's a, there's a, serious overlap. You know, the Venn diagram, a significant amount of furries are LGBT. What is the enemy of our souls doing with these perversions? Well, Satan came to rob, steal, and to kill. And what you are made in the image of God, a holy, holy God. And when he can take your image, your human image, and pervert it, then he feels like he has won a soul from the Lord. And created, he creates a lot of confusion. He creates a lot of unhappiness. And really, he robs them of what God intended their life to be. So he succeeded in that. Amen. And that right there leads well to the chair of philosophy. When you have an enemy in a war, and we're in a war for our souls, and we're in a war for the souls of our children. Mm. When you are in a war, you must focus on what the enemy is trying to do. 
if the enemy moves troops, if the enemy puts out propaganda, and you analyze what the enemy's doing, you can get ahead. Christians are reactionary because we have zero. Uh, and I'm just going to say this, and it's going to hopefully, hopefully, I don't offend people. But you look at what's happened for the last 100 years. Christians have been reacting to everything that the enemy has done. We have not been growing the kingdom of God. We've only been reacting slowly to the Marxist, deconstructionist, critical theories that have been foisted on our country. So when you look at what Satan's trying to do, he's trying to devalue us so that we can rebuild in our own image. Man. We need to be awake to that because we have not thought about this. We have not been aware of this. So I want to throw this over to the chair of culture. What has that done to our culture? It's, it's warped it in a major way. And I, would, I was just thinking about this while you were talking. <clears throat> I would dare say there's probably only a handful of churches that have even approached this topic. This is... This is part and parcel to us not being engaged with people in the world that that are even looking at this kind of stuff. We have to go, and I thought the way that you worded this earlier, don't don't mock it, don't make fun of it. This is precisely what Christians have done in the past. What did they do with the LGBTQ before it became, quote-unquote, LGBTQ? We mocked them, we made fun of them. We bullied them. We chastised them. We didn't really take a look at the real issue. We just, you're, you're a very small group, therefore let me make fun of you. And that's, that's what's happening here. And we need to change the, the way that we address that. So when we do find some of these people out there, we need to converse with them and have the tough conversation with them. Why did you feel like you needed to pursue this? You know, um, that's that's where we need to go. Culturally, it, it's hurt us, and it's going to hurt us even more. Let's dig a little deeper. Mm-hmm. What has that done to the culture's view, this, this, this nihilism? What has it done to the culture's view on life, on personal responsibility? Oh, life and responsibility—life— Life has no meaning. I don't have to be responsible uh, because who are you to tell me that I have to be responsible? We've we've destroyed the order of God is and, what we've ultimately done. And that's taken effect in a number of ways. You, you've seen right now, last time I heard, we are at a six, negative 16% population replenishment deficit. It won't take long and you won't have a culture to worry about. Where does this come from? You look at Genesis, God said, go and replenish the earth. He told Noah, go and replenish the earth in Genesis 9. Mm-hmm. In Genesis 11, what do we have people doing? Congregating in cities. By the way, I, I'm, I'm not coming at, at cities right now. Some people will use some, I, I think, poor theology to use Genesis 11 and say that you, know, you can't live in a city. But God does want us to go and replenish the earth if you are an animalistic creature, or let's say, like some people, they, they want to be something other than human, can something other than human procreate? Mm. Especially when they've removed all of their Hello. organs. One of the things you're, you're not mentioning is that, yeah, you're, you're supposed to go and replenish the earth, but you're also supposed to raise your children up in the admonition and knowledge of the Lord. Amen. And I can guarantee you that many people who are in a church today are not going home and doing family devotions and putting on their television uh, things that they feel is appropriate. There is a free reign there. So we have the, I'll go to church every Sunday. I'll live like I want to through the week. You know, I'm not doing drugs. I'm not drinking. I'm not doing this. But I'm really not actively trying to fill the mind and heart of my child with the knowledge of God. And therefore, when there's the absence of you trying to fill the knowledge um, of the Lord in your child's mind and heart, Satan will come along and he'll fill the gap for you. And that's what's happened in our schools. So 
I want to move over to the chair of politics. Trying to get over here, Mr. Steve. What do we see in countries like Australia, where now <laughs> it's not even it's not even legal to pray for someone who's LGBT or trans species? What effects have our failures at the theological, philosophical, and cultural level had on our politics? Have we given we, the enemy the ground? We, we've given them a lot of ground, and what has happened with our politics is, is that our, our politicians have a tendency to slide towards those, and, and it's gotten more so that they have a tendency to slide towards those who butter the bread the thickest. Yes. Yes. Okay. And it's always buttered with the most money. Follow the money. Follow the money. You don't follow the letters. You follow the money. And it will always show you where their heart lies. Amen. And it, it, it goes... And, goes even deeper, doesn't it? Oh, yes. And because what happens is, is they change laws in regards to that. Now, it's like they say also, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Now, you may have the entire trailer or your entire car falling apart, but you have a wheel that is squeaking and making all kinds of noise. If you don't like a, a squeak, What's the first thing you're going to do? Fix you're going to fix it. And, that, and that's what happens. You go, you make a law that fixes those that is the smallest thing that is really not really a bother or needs to be fixed because there's not really a major problem that's going on. And that, and, but, but they make laws for it when there's already laws set to take care of of these situations like, <clears throat> you know, bullying, um, whatever it may be that's being done against the LGBTQ community, you know, whether, regardless of what you do to someone, you go and beat them up, you make fun of, you know, everybody's got freedom of speech, politics, First Amendment yep. right. You know, if you're in the I, states, if, if I don't like you, and you don't like what I say, hey, I have a First Amendment right to say something, sir. You know, it's just like us sitting here, and when you talk about important subjects, very important subjects that go on in this country, chances are you're going to offend someone because the truth will come out. The truth always has a tendency to offend someone at some point in time because yep. it is an important, truthful subject. Someone's going to get offended. And we have to come at it with love, but love is not apathy. Amen. Can I just say that? Love is not <clears throat> apathy. Loving someone, if you love a child, you will not let them eat just chocolate cake. You will try, you know, parents who love their children will want to make sure that they are healthy, strong, and growing. If you love someone who is committing self-harm, who is mutilating their body, whether it be trans, uh, transgender surgery or whether it be body modifications that are extreme, like the cutting of the tongue, the cutting off of the ears, that affects you. That You have reduced capacity. But Mr. Johnson was talking about the squeaky wheel. I want to go ahead and move over to the chair of theology in just a second. But what does the Bible say about the squeaky wheel? Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a parable that Jesus talked about. In Luke 18, verses 1 through 8, uh, he said, And he spake a, a parable unto them to this end, that men always ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, there was in a city a judge what feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, 
But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary, weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust just judge saith, And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. So let me ask you, Chair of Theology, have what promise does this have for the church? Because we see what the world will do in this parable. What promise do we have in the church as far as prayer and as far as actually crying out to God for revival in our nation? Well, I, this is just one verse. Uh, there's many that a praying Christian is a very powerful Christian. And in numbers, it's even better. It's even stronger. And there are large groups of people that are praying for revival in this country. And I believe the conditions are ripe for a revival. Just because we're looking at things that look very negative. Remember, we are this generation that's coming up. We have given them no hope. Every, do whatever feels good does not bring satisfaction. It brings Amen. a lot of regret mm. and a lot of remorse. And they're going to need hope. And that's what they're going to be looking for. And you for. know, John Arthur, that, that's an excellent point right there. Because the regret aspect, once you get into this kind of thing, it, you don't, it, when you start making body modifications, you don't reverse that. It's, it's very hard to. And let's talk about the hope issue. Because that right there is is the thing that people are looking mm. for. And that's why I said I wanted to pull it out from, from just being sex. It's not just about sex. It's not just about pleasure. It is about an intense need. And there's a, there's a link in the description for an interview with uh, Anthony Padilla, uh, formerly known as Smosh on YouTube. This guy is wild and crazy, and uh, he's all about acceptance of the lifestyle. Uh, let people be as they are, this very pseudo-love apath apathy that the culture has brought in. So I'm, I'm telling you, that the link is there in the description for you to watch, but that's what his view is. I differ from him on that. But, because, again, I don't think he knows what will truly bring hope to these people. But, you will, if you watch this video, you'll watch two people, one of whom is a, is a other kin or a Therian, a very famous one, infamous one. Uh, she got memed really hard for being a Therian. Everyone mocks her. Is it a she or a he? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I think this person identifies as a she. I'm going to okay. just sort of leave it. If I miss... Sorry if I missed up, but, you know, uh, anyway, if I messed that up, sorry. It's kind of hard to tell. Uh, anyway, this person is, is a, identifies as a half-wolf, theory, and other kin uh, sort of creature. And then the other one is an elf, okay? And, and, again, you can laugh, but this person has had surgery for threads being put into their eyes to pull the eyes and stretch them into a different shape and contortion. This person, this man, uses... It's a man uses uh, makeup to make his eyes look bigger because he wants he and, and and you'll hear it in the in the interview. They don't settle on it, but you hear the pain. He says, "I I just want to be this other thing, not comfortable in this person's own skin." One so of the things, John Arthur, I want, don't mean to interrupt you, but one of the things, if you remember through that interview, is that he made it very clear this was his fantasy. Yes. He was living yeah. his fantasy. Yes, correct. So he was making it very clear, this is not reality, this is my fantasy. And, and, and by the way, good on him. Good on him. He's not someone who's going to demand, it's, it's ma'am, it's ma'am, if you've seen the meme about this six foot three guy screaming in a, in a low register, it's ma'am, to this poor person who accidentally called him him or sir. Uh, and the guy's talking about cannibalism, and, and also and so 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 this Therian, Therian, this this elf is talking about having the rib removal surgery, and which by the way, not a good thing not to a, do. Not your wise body. at all. No. no, but but he because he cannot identify 
with who he is. And so this is the philosophy chair here. He cannot identify with the theological precepts of Christianity, or they have not been accurately brought out to him, something that the church is also guilty of. We're all guilty of this on some level, not being well equipped to give an answer. We're watching someone. People have, have agency. I'm not blaming the church for other people's agency, but I am saying that we are losing people. We are losing people to these to these views. And this person is talking about actually taking out the ribs and then cooking them and eating them. His own ribs. His own ribs, because he wants to know oh. what he tastes like. Oh. I mean, really? So I want to move this. So philosophy, you, you see where things are breaking down. I want to move this over to the chair of culture. I want to move this over to the chair culture and pitch this to you. When you have a devaluation of the God-ordained structure, we fall to nihilism, we fall to escapism, to the extreme where you're escaping your physical form. You're trying to get out, clawing like an animal to get out. You start to see other things creep in, including bestiality, which is, by the way, a subtext, an undertone to everything that we're discussing, but also cannibalism. What happens to cultures? You have divorce, homosexuality, pedophilia, bestiality, cannibalism. What happens to cultures that get down that thread? The, they're gone. They eventually will. Name a couple. Uh, Rome is a great example. Rome is probably the most prominent example. Um, <clears throat> in this, what's really scary is that, you know, we, we look at the issue of Rome Okay, that was one country, right? Look at where we're, this issue here and where we're talking about. Are we talking about one country? No. Talking about a Western culture. That's right. This is the suicide of the West, as that one author put it. And that exactly will be the demise of the West, if you will. This, it cannot be sustained. Only the strongest survive. There will be no rights. All right, as, as much as everybody wants to talk about, well, you have this right, you have that right, and so on. Look, that's a lie. That That is a big-time lie. Culture cannot sustain that. That will not work. And, and you're, for, for those that have started to understand more of the, the wokeism and everything like that, that's where it leads. It, it leads to an unsustainable culture. And I would dare say that if we don't get a handle on this, this culture will not survive. And isn't that what the enemy of our souls wants? Because politically, what has to happen to the West, chair of politics, what has to happen to the West for Satan's ultimate goals? Do we not have to have the West fall so that a one world government may come into place? West has got to fall. The, the West, <clears throat> especially the United States, stands yeah. as a light to the rest of the world. Okay? I'd almost say we, a wall. Sure. It, it, I, I, sure. I, I think the U.S. is the, the last standing wall. Sure, it is. Could, could and, one and say a restraining influence? Mm. Yeah, and because everybody looks... To the United States, I, I, you know, I don't know about right now at this point in time, um, um, what's going on with, you know, what's going on with all of our political leaders and the one that's running the country. But that's another story. But with this story, <clears throat> if this country falls, the rest of the world falls, because we stand for freedom. We stand for your right to do whatever you want. We stand for your right to be able to do as you please. You stand for the right to be able to own firearms to protect yourself, to do as you please, to say as you please, to be able to have and elect politicians, whereas the rest of the country, we're democracy, we are republic we be we're able to elect our politicians well you know supposed to be able to elect our politicians <laughs> yeah that's a different <laughs> that's, different, this. that's a different story but uh we elect our politicians how much of this goes on in the world 
and the rest of the world and the rest of the countries. Everybody strives to be like us. Not only that, everybody wants to come to this country. You don't see people leaving this country to go to other places. Okay, this person gets elected. I'm leaving this country. Who has left? <laughs> exactly. Not and, and, any and, of them left. They haven't moved to Canada yet or and the France reason, or anywhere yet. The reason for that love of this country is that this country is the only one in existence that has ever upheld what, you know, and this is Andrew Clavin's point here, and I, and I, I come back to this because this was brilliant. What is the first virtue that God ever held in the highest regard? Like, like the highest virtue that God holds, free will. I was going to say right. choice. Free will. God <clears throat> values your free will more than your safety. Think about that for a minute. Because without free will and the opportunity for free will, you cannot have love. Now, this is, uh, this is Nikki. Let's talk about that love and... There's something that God has promised us that we just don't we don't see yet, but it's coming. And that'd be a glorified body. Correct. And may I suggest to these these folks who wish to modify themselves that you might want to hold off for a little bit. Because you you, you actually have something in that your body is not perfect. You're, we all struggle with our mortality. You know, let me just share this verse with you. Uh, Jesus said, I came to give you life and to give it more abundantly. And many people are seeking for the immediate satisfaction. And we've lost the concept of a long-term satisfaction. It means to make the sacrifice now to have later. And that's been lost in our, in our culture today because it's give it to me now. I want it now. And, and we get pleasure now with pleasure without the knowledge of consequences that come with that pleasure later on. And that is the real problem. It's the love that you share is to prevent somebody from waking up 20 years down the road and see you are a mutilated person and now you can't do anything about it and you're, you may not fit in. You can't go get a normal job. Um, this man that which I feel very bad about. I, I could never let that my grandchildren go near this man. He would scare them to death. He would literally scare them to death. The, the, the little ones with those red eyes that he has, they would be terrified. This is, this is the uh, other kin who had body modifications, eyes tattooed, you know, dragon lady had him tattooed green, I think. Uh, I, I might be I might be using the wrong wrong person, but there are a lot of these people. So how does the how like demons? How will these people get a normal job? Because if you are a business owner, how you present yourself to your customers and to your clients means a lot. Um, I I just there's there's consequences to this. You, you you have actually harmed yourself in more ways than one, but. The enemy of our souls wants wants us to do this. He wants us to degrade ourselves from the status of image bearer, whether that be to the image of an animal, the image of a human that acts as an animal, having having intercourse with whomever they please, or some other imaginary fictitious creature. But the Bible says something about a, a new form, something that will fulfill. And by the way, look at every single uh, deviation. Look at every single need that someone has in their soul, some underpinning that they have. There is a natural fulfillment for the root appetite. Every sin comes from a godly appetite that has been perverted. Correct. So I, I want, Mr. Charlie, can you get 1 Corinthians 15, 42 for 53? Yeah, we got it right here. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. 
There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. And then verse uh, 57. Mr. Mr. Steve, can you get that? Okay. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 So, what does the enemy, Chair of Theology, what does the enemy of our souls want to do with that victory and with that promise? He wants to to steal it from you, to take it from you. He doesn't want you to to understand what God has uh, done for you, what God will do for you. He wants to, to... he wants to cause you long-term trauma because when you fill your life with these extra things to find immediate gratification, you have to continually do so because when you wake up and now you're, you're facing the consequences of what you've done and you're feeling bad, you have to do something else to stimulate you again. And you may have to go, go further. What was it that um, God said at the tower of uh, Babel is that, these people are of a one language. Now there will be nothing to stop to stop what they imagine. This is what we're talking about. What they imagine. When you have a culture now that we have all this um, YouTube and Facebook, now somebody who might have this idea about being a wolf now can join a group. And it's what is it going to do? It's going to encourage them. And I want to say one last thing here is, The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So the battle for your mind is what we're about today. What's the battle for your mind? And that right there is the battle. And in just a moment, we're going to talk about a little bit more about what Satan is trying to destroy because God made us with a purpose and he set it foundationed. He knew in his sovereignty, he knew what would happen in the garden, but he allowed it because he wanted free will. But there's some, he made us good, but not perfect. And like you said, the enemy is in a war to destroy this wonderful gift that God has given us. But there is something real. There is something real to this, that there is a lack in the human body. And, and Chair of Theology, could you get Genesis, uh, Genesis 3 for me? Six and seven. Yes, please. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they were naked. This is important. This is important. They realized that there is something that they were lacking. By the way, for those who wish to go and live in a nudist colony, are clothes God-ordained? Mm-hmm. Who <clears throat> sacrificed an animal? to make the first clothes, or multiple animals. Mr. Charlie. That, that would be, it was goat skins or ram skins, something, but it's clear that God took animals to do that. 
Mr. Steve, can you get Revelations 3.18? Do you have that pulled up? Um, I can pull it up. So Which while one? he's pulling that up, three Revelations 3.18, and, and in just a moment, we're going to see what happens. Uh, I, I believe it's 3.18. We're going to see what happens in eternity and what we're clothed in. 3.18, Mr. Steve. Got it. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. That you may see. Who fulfills you? Who clothes you in righteousness? Who takes your form and your body that is imperfect and finishes it and completes it? And what's it complete in, Chair of Theology? What's it completed in? Our, our nature. Well, I think you're trying to get to that. We're completed in the love of God. Everything that he does for us is because he loves us. We're, we're very valuable to God. I mean, I knew you before I formed you in the womb is what he said to Jeremiah. Proverbs 39, we went over it again. Absolutely. Proverbs 139, you are created with a lot of thought. Everything about you is written down in heaven. And, that, you know, John yeah, Arthur, but you going, were, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, uh, go ahead and finish that thought because I want to get to the clothing and the righteousness. So go ahead and- when you're talking here in Genesis 3 and the woman saw that the tree was good for food, let me, she just had a conversation. A conversation that said, oh, did God really say? And then what does she do? She looks at this tree and she starts looking at it according to the flesh. Oh, that fruit does look good. Oh, I would like to be wise. Oh, maybe God isn't all God said he was. Maybe he's keeping something from me. And that's what people will tell you today. When uh, they're gay, uh, I believe in God, but I'm not going to let him keep this from me. Because they believe the same lie, that they can't be fulfilled under God's design or way. Exactly. But let's go one step further. God's love completes us, but part of that plan of love is being clothed in whose righteousness? His righteousness, of course. Can someone go and enjoy the bliss of heaven without being clothed in Christ's righteousness? No. And that right there... Wouldn't you say that that is the enemy's ultimate objective? Absolutely. Us off from the only thing. The enemy hates you. He has no desire to get you the the love, and that's just a lie. That's a lie. He's here to destroy you and destroy any opportunity you might have. He gives you absolutely no hope. No. Zero. He can give you immediate gratification and pleasure. Right. But that's all he has. But that's something you have to continually go back for and be fed and be fed and be fed. And it's not long-term Worldly satisfaction. Pleasures. Worldly pleasures. And so I just kind of want to focus on that for just a moment. The worldly pleasures. This is something that strips you of it. And every sin, no matter what it is, it's a cheap imitation. Mm. Remember that. It's a cheap imitation of what God would have for you. So what is what does Satan do to the culture, Mr. Charlie? What does Satan do to our culture? He creates an environment, a petri dish that he doesn't even have to work in, does he? We do it all to ourselves oh, all, all too often. Yeah, it, it's all natural and we really it, that's that's where the ultimate false hope lies is in the things around you. It's sold that way. And in, in everything that we have today, um, here's, a, here's a good example. Uh, girls always want to be super, super thin. Why? They want to look absolutely beautiful because the culture is telling them the only way you can be beautiful is if you are super, super thin. If you conform to this very narrow beauty yeah. standard. And, and Same for guys, by the way. And I was I was going to get to that. It, it, exactly right. I mean, you want to be a, a six-pack stud. The only way you can be a six-pack stud is if you look this way and do this and that and so on and so forth. And ultimately what it does is it leads you to a place that you cannot 
you you can't achieve. And when you can't achieve that, what does that do to the hope? Because now you're you're faced with the the issue of ostracism, uh, being ostracized. That's where the hope goes bye bye. That's the bill of goods that Satan is selling you. That is not something that God is going to do to you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knows exactly what you're supposed to be like. He doesn't want you abusing your body. He doesn't want you eating just to to be fat. That's that's not the issue, but he's not concerned about you being super thin. He's not concerned about, about a guy having a, a, a great six-pack and, and muscles that just are popping everywhere. That's not who God is. And the culture just degrades, and it gets to a point where people can't achieve what the culture wants. And honestly, what's really interesting about this whole little topic right here is when you look at what the the, the liberal left, the progressive left is really doing, that's the issue of intersectionality. Even in intersectionality, you can't achieve a top spot. You will always be fighting. Yes. You will always be fighting just as you're always trying to change yep. your body, and you will never, it does not stop. It does not stop. Mm-hmm. There is no end. Just as there is no end, you look at homosexuality. First, you, you, you look at to hypergamy, there's never a better guy. You look at uh, just in general polyamory. There's never enough sex. Homosexuality. There's no act that ultimately you can settle on. You have to keep chasing the high, and you go into body mod- extreme body modification. There will never be enough. There will never be enough. You know when when you say that, I think about that that guy on that YouTube video. 30-something surgeries. Yeah. What what happens after the next surgery? Another one. Another one. And what's going to happen after that? Another this one. guy's going to be, his whole life is going to be spent under a knife. Think about what that sounds like. All the pain. And by the way, you, he, he says, look, this was painful. This stuff is painful. But, but look, it does not satisfy. It does not satisfy. And And... You look at it, and, and by the way, as someone who's guilty of escapism and guilty of doing hobbies uh, that, that just suck you in, you're always more excited thinking about what it's going to be like mm-hmm. than you are when it's complete. Yep. And that's what you chase. And, you know, and when you talk about the suicide rate, because one day when you wake up and you're 60, you're 65, and you look in the mirror, and your fantasy at that time may not be very rewarding to you. All and the, that, all the surgeries have worn down. Uh, yes, and and you, you know, fantasy is very <clears throat> limited. It's not going to last a lifetime. Mm. It sure doesn't last an eternity for no. which you Amen. were created. No, Amen. I, I want to kind of throw this out here, and and I might be stepping on the uh, the Charlie's culture toes. But, hey, you watch uh, that. <laughs> and I know Charlie can relate to this growing up on a farm, being around farm animals. That, and me being a guy that has spent, you know, kind of like what you said, having this, being involved in a hobby, and mine's being in the outdoors a lot, doing a lot of outdoor activities, uh, spending time in the woods. uh, That, a lot of these people that want to be these otherkins and furries and therians, they really don't understand what it is to be an animal um, because they really don't know what animals do. Um, you go in the wild and see what it's like to be an animal. Yes. Try to be an animal. Uh, uh, I mean... Go and be a wolf. But it, like, but be, a, be a wolf. You know, it's, but what you're talking about is reality. Cat. What you're talking about is reality. What they're talking about is a fantasy. It is something that they are using to escape how badly they feel about themselves. Right. And you talk about some of these people that act, they actually believe they're a wolf, but they live in society and where this mask of humanity because they live 
in the world and then they come out of the world and they go back to their real self which is this animal now come on exactly really? so i have uh, a question you about go that and be a wolf well yeah why aren't you really? living in the wild as a wolf year round go, go, and, go I mean, and try and be a wolf in the wild well yeah but, i survive. mean it, yeah and, really? and try to survive like a wolf does because it's not possible no be a cat because do, you do you, you have actually your own, do you have your own like box you go in really uh some might i, I wouldn't even want to approach that question <laughs> I, mean, I don't want to know I, mean, I don't want to know uh, let uh, uh, let's talk about it here you're you're going to be a cat you got your own box do you go out are you going to be a dog do you go outside and and, and do it in the front yard and in front of your neighbors i mean that's what a dog does it go right out and you walk them on a leash and what do they do? You got four or five people standing around and, and your dog's right there doing his business. You get arrested. This, I, I mean, come on. Folks. But it's truly I'm, I'm, really I think it, it John Arthur's really hit the the nail on the head. This is just a severe form of escapism that leads to no hope. Exactly. It's, right. And and so that right there is is where I want this to sort of go is where are we giving people hope? Because we, you know, it's easy to laugh at these people, but really they are our mission field here in the States. We talk about, oh, we, we romanticize going to Africa. And hey, every sent missionary that goes to Africa, thank God for you. Mm -hmm. Thank Amen. God. And, and may you be involved in indigenous missions. Because I'm just going to say indigenous missions are substantively more effective Guess what indigenous mission field you're called to if you are here in the United States of America, or if you're yeah. in Great Britain, or if you're in I, Australia. Some of I've been are. to, so far, uh, and it hasn't been a whole lot, I went to Romania, and then I went to uh, Montana with, with Charlie and Nikki over here. And I'll tell you what, uh, I enjoyed Romania. Country, beautiful, I enjoyed being there, but I'll tell you what, I enjoyed going to Montana and doing my mission there more than I did in Romania. Because you're part of this culture. Correct. Mm. And it wasn't just that. I saw the need of what those people in Montana needed. In Romania, man, that those people, it's, it's out there. They're going, and it, it's getting out. Montana, where we were at, it's not getting out. And There's people there. There, it's like a Bible. What are you talking about? And that's the failure of the church. Mm -hmm. So may I humbly suggest, and I and I say this as as cautiously as I can. Matthew twenty eight nineteen through twenty. Can you get that for me, Miss Nikki? While I'm talking for a second, but Matthew twenty uh, nineteen and twenty. Matthew chapter twenty eight. Chapter we're 20. not we're not to make fun of these people. We're supposed to do something with these people. Chapter 28. We're supposed to do something with these people. And we have a, a mandate, no, a commission. Um, I'm going to start in 18 first. Do it. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Power. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and though I am with you always, even unto the end of the, wor of the world. And this is a really good, I love that I, he's been given all power, so that means you're not going unequipped, if you understand. Amen. And this is not just you stand on the street corner and preach. Uh, you're a sinner. You need to get you know saved, repent, repent. Those are good words. I'm not dismissing those but in where we're going in this nation with these type of situations you really need to equip yourself spiritually and be able to talk in a way that you can touch where they're at to pull them 
to the Lord. If you don't understand these people and you just think they're wicked and vile, you're really not going to be a help to them. And I suggest that everyone has their own proclivity. Do not let yourself think, and, and just, just to sort of wrap up the day a little bit, do not let yourself think that you are somehow better because your proclivity is better hidden, it's somehow more socially acceptable, or any other excuse you can think of in your mind. We are all fallen, and in God's eyes, we are as filthy rags. Make sure that you are acting in a way that is loving, in a way that is kind. Show the love and the grace that you have been shown when you deal with people like furries, otherkin, LGBT, people are suffering from anorexia. So people are suffering from reverse anorexia where they have to be big. For people who are slovenly and fat, whatever is going on in their life, he who is forgiven much loves much. And that would really change our culture. And mm -hmm. I really want to get your wrap up, Mr. Charlie. Culturally, I think what we need to do is we need to engage people here in the U.S. When we see these kind of people, make sure that we don't thumb our nose at them. And be prepared to talk about these things. Look, we, we've been commanded to be ready to give a hope which lies within us, an answer of the hope which lies within us. And I think as Christians, too many times we approach conversations and people stick us with something and we don't know how to respond. That's Absolutely. a detriment to the kingdom. We need to be thinking. We need to be thinkers. And moving over to the chair of politics in just a moment here, what do we need to do politically? We can't intervene, but can we try to fight for liberty to make sure that we have the opportunity to still speak before it's taken away from us? Yes. Um, what we need is to make sure that we keep this freedom of speech for everyone. It doesn't matter w whether you're a non-otherkin, just a straight person, a Christian person, a non-Christian person, whether you're gay, otherkin, theory. it doesn't matter what you are. Everybody has the right to freedom of speech, regardless of what you say. There's nothing, whether you offend someone or not, you have the freedom of speech to say. It's, and we need to maintain it, and, and, that and it needs to be maintained. People get offended when you talk about the truth and you talk about sensitive subjects. It's going to offend people. That's what we have to do. We have to be able to maintain that liberty so that we can keep our freedom. Let's make sure we keep that in mind. And just, I want to make sure the theology chair has a chance to wrap up and give her final thoughts and opinions. Every individual needs to understand that you are made in the image of God. You are very valuable to the Lord and that the Lord wants to give you a great life here on earth and anything outside of the word of God or his laid down principles is going to rob you of that. It may be hard to understand to step out in faith and trust God that what he wants to give you is that abundant life that he promised. And that does take an act of faith. But in the end, it's a very satisfying, rich life. With that said, make sure that you go forward to people who are suffering if, if there's one thing I can ask you to take with you from this, go forward into the world. People who are suffering, because these people are suffering, bring them that hope. Offer that hope to them as it was offered to you. If you enjoyed this podcast, like, comment, share, subscribe, all those good things. Guys, we have increased 25,000 views. Uh, this is probably not going to be uploaded as a video as well, but video is coming soon. If it is, hey, you get to see the studio that is in progress being worked on it's not done yet but we thanks to a lot of hard work from some really good volunteers uh and god's grace we actually have a studio that will be going live to youtube shortly uh just letting you know we'll be a, we will not be dropping the podcast it will be continuing as a podcast but there will now be a video component as we uh uh strive for a higher quality and uh, just in general 
better a better experience for you. Hopefully there'll be overlays. We'll have some good guests on. We're really excited. And uh, you guys uh, have been along for the journey for almost a year now. Thank you so much. It means a lot to us. Hopefully we've been a blessing to you. With that said, uh, if you have a story or something you want to put down in the comment section about how you have seen someone suffer with body dysmorphia, it doesn't just have to be other kin, any form, go ahead and put it down there and tell us how you were a positive change in that person's life or how maybe you could have been. Uh, didn't like this podcast? As always, smash that dislike button twice. We love you all so much. Have a wonderful week. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 All right, all right, all right. Before we stop, if you're still here, we got one more thing for you. We got one more thing for you. Uh, when have you ever come in contact with someone, Miss Nikki, with uh, who is dealing with furryism? Have you no. ever dealt? You ever bumped into someone like that? I have not. No. Okay, I have, and I'm going to ask Mr. Mr. Charlie. Have you? No. Again, it's more of a millennial thing. And uh, Mr. Steve, have you? No, uh, but I have run into, now, it's hard to tell. I've run into a bunch of people that have uh, Comic-Con folks. Now, whether they were... That's a wide, that's a at, wide brim. At, right. So, so they're, they're, it's hard to tell if they yeah. were... I will tell you, you that I, I did have some children at the age of two and three would run around the house and bark like a dog <laughs> thinking they were, you know... <laughs> Absolutely. So... I'll tell you something. I've known I've known furries, and every single one of them that I know was a tortured soul mm. who had yes. profound familial issues. If you know someone is a furry, go ahead, don't out them, right? But just say generally how you've tried to be a blessing to those people. The best thing that I could do is be respectful, be a light in their world, be kind to them, don't mock them have a chance to impact them want their ear go forward and impact them even if it is a floppy dog ear you want their ear thank you so much we love you yeah. bye-bye bye bye, bye. bye.